Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter once again. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read starting with the first verse down through the 11th and the New King James I'll be reading. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, sistren, I do not want you to be ignorant or unlearned or without knowledge. Concerning what? Spiritual gifts. Now, I told you before that the word gifts here in the original text is derived from the word charis, charis, which is a Greek word for grace. So when charis becomes charisma, it depicts something that is given or imparted by grace. So in other words, these could be the nine supernatural grace gifts of the Holy Ghost. He's not compelled to give them. They're grace gifts. And uh, this is where we get our name for our denomination, Charismatics. It means we believe ourselves to be graced with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or at least we place a significant emphasis on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a charismatic church. Uh, my, <laughs> my old pastor, Pastor Chuck Funderburg, with that little old country church we used to go to, he used to call us crashomatics. Instead of charismatics, he called us crashomatics because we'd run around the church and bump into each other sometime. Amen. <laughs> but we believe the gifts of the Holy Ghost are intended to establish us, to reinforce us, to strengthen us, and to help us grow so that we can bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. I like the comparison that Brother Rick Renner gives to this. He said that, uh, you know, when you plant a vineyard and your vines are real little bitty fellows coming up out of the ground, he said you've got to give them direction. So he says you would pound a, uh, a rod down into the ground next to the vine where it's coming up and you would train that vine to climb that rod and it would wrap itself around the rod and it would grow in strength as it was growing up and then... Uh, you'd have another line on top and the grapes would hang over that line and grow above ground. And he said, if you didn't do that, your vines were all over the ground, all over the place. Grapes were all over the place, getting stepped on and rotting and the animals were eating them. So it was necessary to have that rot. And uh, he said, that's like the Holy Spirit and his gifts in our church. He said, he's that rod that gives you direction, that strengthens you, that reinforces you, that gets you up off the ground and up to the place where you can produce not only fruit, but much fruit. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So this is how we view the Holy Spirit and his gifts as a charismatic church. Let's go back to reading. Now concerning spiritual gifts or gifts of grace, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. These are, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation, the making himself known of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills again it's important we understand that this is how he wills and this is so that you don't think that you become some kind of a holy ghost superstar that possesses the gift of healing or the or the gift of the working of miracles or the the gift of the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge because he distributes the gifts to each one severally or individually as he wills amen and so He's not giving you the gift of healings or the gifts of healings so that you can operate them as your own. He's giving you a manifestation of the gifts of healings so that the Holy Ghost can manifest to you and through you to bring healing to somebody's body or to bring a miracle or to give a word of wisdom or the word of knowledge or discerning of spirits or a tongue and interpretation or a prophecy. That is up to him as he wills this way he maintains controls of his gifts he gives you the operation of the gift or the manifestation of the gift but not the gift itself and I, I you know I keep emphasizing that because there's a lot of people in the church that think they're somebody that they possess not the manifestation of the gift as the spirit wills but they possess the gift and they can distribute it as they will and it causes people to get the big head. And you know what happens after that. The fall is on its way. Amen. So it's as the Holy Spirit wills. So we separated the gifts into three categories for the ease of teaching. The gifts of revelation, the gifts of inspiration, and the gifts of power. Two weeks ago, we looked at the gifts of inspiration, which was the word of wisdom, the gift of the word, uh, the word of knowledge and the gift of discerning of spirits, not the spirit of discernment, the gift of discerning of spirits. It gives us a peek into the spiritual realm so that we can detect what kind of spirit is operating and what his activity is. I mean, I, and this is good and bad because we'd like to see into the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God like Isaiah did. He had discerning of spirits and he was able to look into the spiritual realm and see God sitting on his throne high and lifted up. Hallelujah. So it's important that we understand that we need discerning of spirits. And then there's times where you have discerning of spirits and you'll see some demon activity going on. But you'll be able to identify it and then take authority over it. So we need that gift. Amen. So, uh. Then last week, we looked at the gifts of inspiration, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And this morning, we're going to look at the power gifts or the dynamic gifts. Uh, the gift of faith, gifts of healings, 
and the working of miracles. You made it. Hi, Miss Latoya. Hallelujah. So let's review the gifts that we already studied, just so we don't forget them. Amen? Because after today, the Lord willing, we're moving on. Number one was the word of wisdom. It's a supernatural revelation or divine answer or solution for a particular event or set of circumstances. When I say divine, I mean it came from God. It came from a divine source. And the Holy Ghost will give you the word of wisdom to solve problems and situations that you just don't have the answers for through natural means. Number two was the word of knowledge. This is not the gift of knowledge. This is the word of knowledge. It gives you the knowledge you need for the moment. Amen? Doesn't give you all knowledge. That's the Holy Ghost has that. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of, of knowledge or insight into something that you had no way of knowing by natural means. It's something that no one told you about. You didn't read about it or see it on the news. It just came to you from God, from the Holy Ghost. And then, of course, the discerning of spirits. This is a supernatural revelation or insight into the realm of spirits to detect their presence and activities. It's simply a gift that will make you aware of the presence of spirits, whether they're dynamic, de demonic or heavenly, and their activity, what's going on. God will let you see an angel and, and see what he's doing. He'll let you see a devil and see what he's doing as well. He'll let you see the angel so that you can cooperate with him and come to the same conclusion he wants to come to, a blessing for you or protection for you. And then uh, he'll show you the devil for the purpose of taking authority over him. All right, then we looked at uh, the gifts of inspiration last week, prophecy. And prophecy is a supernatural utterance in your native language. It is a miracle of divine utterance. In other words, it came from heaven. The utterance or what you say came from heaven, not conceived by human thought or reasoning. It includes speaking unto men. You remember this for edification, exhortation and comfort. That's what prophecy does. If it's not bringing one of those three things or all three of those things, then it's not prophecy. It's somebody venting. Amen. Then the gift of tongues. And this is a sign gift from God for public ministry. Uh, this is different than the, the, uh, our prayer language that we received when we were baptized in the Holy Ghost. When you give a tongue and an interpretation, then it's equal to prophecy because they both accomplish the same things. Amen. And somebody says that prophecy takes more faith than tongues and interpretation because with tongues and interpretation, you're only responsible for half of it. Or in the event that you have to interpret it, then you're, you're responsible for, for the giving of the tongues and the interpretation. But either way, they're equal with prophecy. Then there's the interpretation of tongues, understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message. It's not, remember, it's not a translation. It's an interpretation that was spoken in tongues. So someone gives a message in tongues and through the gift of interpretation, you can understand by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost what was the intent or the mind of the Holy Ghost in that tongue. So in other words, remember we said that 
uh, somebody can give a short tongue and somebody can give a long interpretation or vice versa, a long tongue and a short interpretation. It doesn't mean that it was not uh, original and valid from the Holy Ghost. Uh, where a translation would be word for word. So that's the difference between the two. And that brings us to today's lesson. We're going to look at the power gifts, faith, healings, plural, and the working of miracles. So the gift of faith is a supernatural impartation that enables you to believe God without human doubt, unbelief, and reasonings for a specific situation or circumstance. Now, this is not talking about everyday faith. It's not talking about the measure of faith that we were given when we got born again or even before we got born again because you needed the measure of faith to get saved and to believe God's word for salvation. Uh, but it's talking about a special faith that doesn't require anything on your part. Our faith, our normal natural faith, the, the, the faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, that always requires a fight. Paul said he's fighting the good fight of faith. So faith is a fight. But this special faith is not a fight. It comes to you from the Holy Ghost, and it's just something that you know is going to be all right. And you don't have to fight the good fight of faith. You don't have to fight the devil or doubt and unbelief and everything that comes along with the good fight. It just comes natural. You just rest in it. Amen. Amen? That's a gift. So I can give you a lot of examples of that kind of faith, especially in my life. But, uh, for example, I told this story before, probably a long time ago. But uh, one time, Pastor Ed and I gave, not loan, but gave our tax money to somebody. And it was about 30 days before our taxes was due. And if I remember correctly, it was about $2,300. This individual got behind on something and they issued a bench warrant for him and it came down to the place where he either paid the fine or he went to jail so we just gave the money not expecting to get it back it wasn't it wasn't a loan we if we if we would have got it back praise the lord but if we didn't we didn't expect it so nothing gained nothing lost we gave the money kept that individual from uh going to jail on that bench warrant and uh at first, it really scared us uh, because, like I said, our taxes was due. We took this out of our escrow account. And our taxes was due in like 30 days. And uh, it was the money, the exact amount for our taxes, like $2,300, $22-something, whatever it was at the time. And then me and Pastor Ed talked about it, prayed about it, and we both got a piece, a, a sense of knowing that it was going to be okay. What we didn't realize at the time was special faith was coming upon us. And we gave, gave that money in a spirit of peace and comfort. We didn't have any sweat about it. We didn't worry about it. We didn't even think about God fulfilling that need in 30 days. It just it came naturally to us. There was no fighting the good fight of faith or anything. We didn't struggle with doubt or unbelief or anything. God just laid that good faith on us. And uh, we just laid back and entered into rest that you really can't explain. And uh, the first part of Hebrews 4, 3 says, For we who have believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on God do enter into rest. And this is what we did. We trusted, relied, and, and adhered to God and his word, and we entered into rest. 
So it wasn't no struggle. It wasn't no fight. Then Isaiah 57, 2 says, he shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds. In other words, you won't be losing any sleep over it. And we didn't. We rested in our beds every night. We didn't sweat it. We didn't worry about it. Didn't even think about it a whole lot. I'm not going to say I never thought about it, but not in a worrisome sense. But about three days before our taxes were due, some friends of ours that used to visit our church on a pretty regular basis, if I mention their names, some of you would know them if you went to the hotel, uh, but they never became members. They just come and go. They were going to a couple different churches at the time, and but they became friends with us, and well, they come to uh, tell us they were leaving the, the state, moving to another place in the country, and uh, they wanted to say goodbye. So we made a pot of coffee, sitting around the table, we're all talking and cutting up and talking about memories at the hotel and all kinds of stuff like that. And then come time for them to leave, well, then she took her checkbook out and she wrote out a check to the church at Faith Fellowship Church, $2,000. And she says, we wanted to give an offering to the church before we left. Praise the Lord. Thank you. We appreciate that. Then she wrote out another check and made it out to Mr. and Mrs. Michael A. Brunzo for $3,000. And she said the Lord told her that that was for our personal use, that it wasn't for the church, that it had no obligation attached to it, use it for whatever you want. Well, we knew exactly what it was for. So it was God paying us back that $2,300 with interest. Hallelujah. I mean, we had six or $700 left over for to spend on Longhorn Steakhouse, Cheesecake Factory, any, uh, New Coat, whatever we wanted. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. He not only meets the, meet, the need, but he gives you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Hallelujah. Yeah. I said he's El Shaddai. The almighty God, the many-breasted one, the God who sees the needs, supplies, nourishes, and satisfies. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what he did three days before our taxes were due. I'm telling you, it's just a knowing. You know. I can't explain it. You just know. Hallelujah. I mean, there's, there's times when, uh, and, and you can probably think back on this. Uh, something came up and all of a sudden you just got this peace come over you and this rest come over you that you just knew God was going to take care of it. You couldn't explain it. It was just a knowing inside of you and you didn't have to fight the good fight of faith or anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's a gift of faith and that's what was operating in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Never forget that. I don't care how, how long ago it was, how old it is. And we've had plenty of incidents like that where, you know, either financially or even in other areas of our life. It doesn't always have to be about money, but uh, that's the one that really has impressed us. You know, I mean, uh, we had just started a church, wasn't going that long and that, and we just needed that boost of faith. Amen. We always need a boost of faith, but God will get it to you when, it's, when you really need it the most. Amen. All right, that's the gift of faith. We know the difference between that faith and the, the faith and the faith we have to fight with, right? So this is the gifts of healings. 
And, and let me just say this, because, you know, it's, it's the gift of faith. I know it says that, but it's special faith, and we don't have to fight for it. And the reason it's called a gift is because if there were any conditions attached to it, like having to believe God, having to fight off doubt and unbelief and all of that stuff, then it wouldn't be a grace gift. It wouldn't be a gift because there's strings attached to it. You know, when you give a gift, there should never be strings attached to it. You give somebody $1,000, don't tell them how to spend it. Amen? It's a gift. And as soon as you tell them how to spend it, it's no longer a gift, and God's not going to credit it as such. Amen? Because you attach strings to it. Then there's the gifts of healings. Now, you know, you get healed anytime you want. It's in the covenant. You've got the word of God. You've got the faith to do it. But sometimes we just get a grace gift from the Holy Ghost. He just graces us with healing. And we don't even have to be believing for it. Don't have to confess it. Don't, it just comes on you. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, I got an example from one of Brother Hagin's books. He told a story about this woman that came up in the healing line that he had at one of the churches he was evangelizing with or visiting and teaching. But he knew this woman and he knew she was just full of doubt and unbelief. Sometimes you'll get a sense of it. And sometimes you just know in natural ways, you know. Well, he just knew in the natural, but he could have sensed it if he didn't know in the natural. But anyway, whenever he sensed that or knew, knew that about somebody that they were in doubt or unbelief, he'd try to get them to express something positive. He'd try to locate them. And he asked this particular woman, he says, do you believe that when I pray for you, you're going to get healed? And he wanted her to say, yes, I do. That's why I'm up here, you know. But she says, I sure hope so. So he talked to her a few minutes and, and asked her again. She said the same thing. I sure do hope so. So that was the best he could get out of her. So she's not in faith. Well, Brother Hagen laid hands on her and he prayed for her. And he said that he mustered up all the faith that he could possibly muster up for this woman. But he said he was wavering. <laughs> so he said that he finished praying for her. She turned around, went back to her seat, never said a word, no expression on her face, nothing. So he figured, well, she got exactly nothing, you know. So he went on down the prayer line. And afterwards, they had a potluck in the fellowship hall. And he was standing in line. You know what potluck is. When you get to the pot, if there's anything left in it, good luck. But anyway, he's in, the, he's in the line, and the lady's a couple people behind him, and he heard her say with his own ears, she says, uh, you know, when Brother Hagen prayed for me, she said, I didn't feel a thing. But when I got back to my seat, she says, the tumor I had was completely gone. I didn't feel it go. I didn't feel anything. But I felt for it, and it was completely gone. She says, I still can't believe it. So, <laughs> so, well, Brother Hagen heard that, and he, he said to himself, well, he said, I know it wasn't my faith because I was wavering. He said, it certainly wasn't her faith because she still can't believe it. So what was it? The gifts of healing. It was a grace gift. God just graced her with healing for whatever reason. We don't have to figure it out. He just graced her with healing. Uh, but, you know, you'd think after something like that happened, they'd make a believer out of you. But she says, I still can't believe it, you know. And maybe it was a figure of speech. I don't know. Maybe she turned out to be a, a dynamic believer after that. <laughs> but I just thought that was a good example of the gift of healing. That's why it's the gift. 
of healing. It's a grace gift. Hallelujah. <coughs> well, I got paperwork up here today because I left my computer at home. <laughs> I forgot it. Hallelujah. But thank God I had it on my phone. It goes on all of my devices. So I just printed it out. It's a lot different printed, though. It's a lot smaller. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalms 103, 1 through 3. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So how many believes he forgives your iniquities? When you got born again, is there any doubt that God forgave all your iniquities, forgave all your sins, cleansed you from sin? Then why do we have such a hard time believing the other half of that passage of Scripture who heals all our diseases? We readily accept he, re he heals our iniquities or forgives our sins, but then we struggle with the part where it says who heals all your diseases. Set it in the same passage of Scripture. See, you can't just pick and choose what scriptures you're going to believe. I'll believe the easy one, but this other one I'm going to have a hard time with. You'll do without every time. You got to get to the place where it's whatever God said is so. If he said it, that settles it. Both parts. Forgiveness and healing. Amen. Hallelujah. I can remember another time Chris broke his arm. I forget what he was doing, riding the bike, fell, or I don't remember what it was. But we took him to the emergency room, and they x-rayed it, said it was broke, had a fracture, they said. Put it in a cast, and we left there with his arm in a sling. And then, I don't know, a few days later, the, the, the very next Saturday night, we always went to church on Saturday night, that little old country church, Pentecostal, charismatic, crash-matic church. And the pastor called Chris up front to pray for him. And he did pray for him. And he told Chris, he says, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. People were running and dancing and jumping around the church and everything. Everybody was happy. And so uh, we was happy and shouting hallelujah and stuff. And then a few minutes later, Chris wasn't nowhere to be found. So we thought, well, he probably went downstairs. And that's what I like about this little old country church. It had an upper room. The sanctuary was in the upper room and uh, put you closer to God. You know what I mean? <laughs> At least 15 steps closer. And so the bathrooms were downstairs and then they had a little fellowship hall and that was about it. So we knew the fellowship hall was closed. So we knew he probably just went to the bathroom. Well, he comes back upstairs. He's swinging his arms. <laughs> no cast, no sling, <laughs> no nothing. He took it off. Now, we believe he was healed, but I still freaked a little. I said, why did you take that cast off, son? He said, cause, he said, I had to. My arm was burning up. I had to run it underwater. Well, I guess running underwater softened the bandage, and he just peeled it off like a scab or something. And so uh, I got to tell you, we, I, I don't know about Pastor Ed. I just speak for myself. I was a wavering. I thought, what if it didn't get healed? What if it's still broke? Now it's out of the cast. And so anyway, we, when we got back home that following Monday or Tuesday, whenever we get back in, 
We took him in. Doctor took another x-ray. Shook his head and said it, it, everything looks normal. And then he tried to explain it away. You know, said, well, maybe there was a blemish on the x-ray last time or whatever. This, no, no, we know what happened. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. You know, but God healed him. Uh, gift of healing. Just a gift. I mean, you know, like I said, I was sure doubting. I don't know about Pastor Rip, but I was doubting. Chris sure wasn't doubting. And that's why Jesus said, except you be converted and become as like one of these little children, you know, who are gullible, believing. I mean, they believe anything, you know. You tell them they're healed, stupid kid believes it, you know. And he acts like it. We don't do that. We struggle with it. We doubt it. We question it, everything else. You know, that's why a lot of times we don't get healed. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord anyway. The, that's the gifts of healings. I guess he calls it gifts, plural, healings, plural, because it, it, it happens more than once to more than one person. You know, just it's a constant flow of the gift. It's a grace gift. And again, my doubting had nothing to do with it. My unbelief had nothing to do with it. Uh, even Chris, if he didn't believe, it would have had nothing to do with it. Because if it's a gift, it's a gift. It's by grace. Amen. No conditions, no strings attached to it. So we've seen this many times in his life, my life. Uh, I, 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 I was about, I don't know, 30 five 36 years old and i went through much of what miss shannon just went through i had a problem with my heart and i knew oh this is it you know uh my dad uh died with a stroke my mother died with a stroke i'm gonna die with a stroke you know that type of thing uh it runs in my family type of thing well we went to that church that little old country church in the upper room that saturday night or may it might have been a sunday morning uh pastor called me up prayed for me and he said, uh, God, God just healed your heart. He said, but I want you to go have the test. He says, uh, but just like I told you, Miss Shannon, it's for a testimony. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I went and had the test. And I, I think it was a combination of the, the gifts of healings, the laying on the hands, or maybe it was even a miracle because uh, uh, I, I didn't have a special faith. I mean, I didn't have anything to do with it because... Uh, it just come upon me that I'm healed. Yeah. Ain't no doubt in my mind, I'm healed. And, and, and I, was, I was so convinced of it through special faith, I wasn't struggling with it, no doubt in my heart. I, I was supposed to call the doctor for the results. I never even called him. I knew. I don't need to call him, I knew. And so uh, after a few days, the doctor called me. He says, uh, I thought you was going to call us for the results. I said, I don't need no results. He said, what do you mean you don't need no results? I said, I already know the results. I said, there's nothing wrong with my heart. He says, you're right, but how'd you know? I said, I just knew. I didn't try to explain to him special faith or anything else. I said, I just knew. He said, well, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Everything's all right. Special faith, gifts of healing, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes more than one gift operates. Amen. The working of miracles. This is the last of the nine gifts. Now, this ain't all the gifts of the Holy Ghost. This is the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. But there's uh, ministry gifts and other kinds of gifts in the body of Christ, too. But we're just talking about these nine. And this is the last of the nine that we study. 
It's a divine, comes from heaven, comes from God, intervention that alters our normal circumstances. It's a supernatural power to intervene in the ordinary course of nature to counteract natural laws if necessary. So in other words, you know, a natural law is water freezes at 32 degrees. Now, just plain water, I ain't saying, well, I could put antifreeze in. No, I'm just talking about plain water freezes at 32 degrees. Well, a miracle would be if God froze it at 90 degrees or 100 degrees or had a fire under it and froze it. That's a miracle. That's, that's outside the natural course of nature or the, nature, the laws of nature. And the Bible is full of examples of miracles, Old and New Testament. And, uh, you know, you go back to Egypt and you can see the, uh, the gift of the work and the miracles. Uh, the miracles in Egypt, like the ten plagues, the miracles in the wilderness, you know, the quail, the manna, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, Aaron's rod turning into a serpent. Uh, which wasn't real unusual because the magicians did the same thing, but his rod ate up all the mother rods. That was the miracle of it. And just all kinds of miracles like that. Uh, the walls of Jericho falling with a shout. But there's one that especially stands out to me, and that's in 2 Kings chapter 20. You can turn there if you want or just mark it and read it later. 2 Kings chapter 20. And uh, I'm just going to read the scriptures to you rather than try to capitulate them it says in 2 kings 20 verse 1 about that time hezekiah became deathly ill and the prophet isaiah son of amos the one who seen the lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up went to visit him and he gave the king this message this is what the lord says set your affairs in order for you are going to die you know, it's one, it's one thing for a doctor to tell you you're going to die, but when God tells you you're going to die, you're going to die. But then he says, you will not recover from this illness. Now, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. Let me stop here a second and explain something. Prayer can alter even God's word in certain conditions and circumstances. God prophesied that Isaiah, or to Isaiah to tell the king that he was going to die. No doubt about it, you're going to die. Get your affairs in order. But Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and began to cry out to the Lord. In other words, it was just him and the Lord. No, he didn't concern himself with anything around him, any of the circumstances, none of the people, no matter what they thought. He turned his face to the wall. It's like putting your face in the corner. You can't see anything going on around you. And he cried out to the Lord and he wept bitterly. In other words, it was sincere. And he asked the Lord to heal him. And God changed his mind. Changed his mind. 
And the reason I'm saying this is because there is things going on right now, prophetically speaking, they look like they're imminent and they're going to happen on God's timetable. And that's true, except that somebody intercedes and they could change timetables and change God's mind. Now, I mean, the outcome is going to be the same. It may be prolonged or whatever. I mean, uh, Isaiah died 15 years later, just like God said he would. Uh, so even though he was healed, even though God gave him more time, it still happened. And that's the way it is with the book of Revelation. Nothing is written in stone as to when it will happen. You know, like everything that's lining up right now for the Ezekiel 38 wars. Uh, Russia becoming uh, an ally with China and Iran and all that. Uh, they don't use the modern day term, the modern day names in the Bible, but that's what those names translate to is Russia, China. You know, where are they going to get a 200 million man army from the east to march down to dry up Euphrates River to the Battle of Armageddon? There's only one place to get that many people in an army, and that's from China, you know. And then it says that the, the uh, enemy of the north will march down and invade Israel. That's Russia. You can't get any more north than Russia, so that's Russia. So uh, it might not be what they were called in Ezekiel or the Old Testament. It was called by their Old Testament names. But that's who they're talking about. And that is going to happen. There's going to be a battle of Armageddon. But some of the details cannot be changed. But the timetable can. Because another thing that's prophesied is that there is a Babylon will fall in one hour. And Babylon is described as a rich city, a rich city, which could be a nation or a country. And they have it going on. I mean, merchants and every, prospering and everything like that. And, and some believe it's the United States. So before those wars can happen and these things happen, this one country that could alter the, the fate of history has to be eliminated. And it's going to fall in one hour. You know, the... the Iron Curtain fell in overnight, you know, so things can happen suddenly. God is a God that causes things to happen suddenly sometimes. But Babylon has to fall, which they believe to be the United States. But I'm telling you now, with all the praying, it looks like it fits right now. So, you know, it's like, well, don't worry about Trump because Babylon's going to fall. And, and so God can get it out of the way so he can rapture the church and then have these Ezekiel 38 wars and the rise of the Antichrist and usher in the millennium. And it's very possible. But with all the prayers that are going up for this country right now, there's a good possibility that Hezekiah's face is against the wall and he's weeping bitterly and God may change his mind. And it won't happen now. It'll happen, but it won't happen now. And we can see the United States be restored and prosper again. For time. Amen. And that's what we're believing for. But either way, we're going to win. We're going to come out on top either way. So it's nothing for us to spread or worry about. Amen. If 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 it can't be altered, the time can't be altered uh, and God raptures the church. It's all right with me. Amen. But I just want you to realize the power of prayer. Yes, prophetic, the prophetic ministry is accurate and it's true. But it can be altered. It can be changed. Verse 6. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. This is what we're believing for. 
that God gives us more time, rescues this land from our enemies. Uh, and here's the thing. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, uh, why should I fight for your children, for your grandchildren? What kind of world do you want to leave them in? What kind of country do you want to leave them with? You know, I think of Matthew and Tyler and, and Shannon and Ethan, and I think, you know, uh, I want them to enjoy some life. I want them to live in a good country that I grew up in, a free country, a free nation, you know. And so I'm willing to fight for them. I, you know, I, how many years I got left, should the Lord tarry? Uh, they got their whole life in front of them. So I'm fighting for my children, my grandchildren, your children, your grandchildren. That's who we need to fight for. Amen. I want to see this country restored again. Then Isaiah said, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. Now, this is not what healed Hezekiah. He was healed before Isaiah got out of the courtyard. This fig, this, uh, what do they call them? Soltis, moltis, whatever it is. Huh? Yes, this postis just drew the infection out and healed that particular wound. But Isaiah's life was healed when I, or Hezekiah's life was healed before Isaiah even got out of the courtyard. But so my point is this. God doesn't have a problem with medicine. Take that blood pressure pill. Take that diabetes pill. Take whatever pills the doctor recommended. God don't mind that. But have faith in what you're taking. Have faith in what you're doing. Amen. And so uh, and, and, you know, the good Samaritan, he poured in the oil and wine. That was the medicine of that day healing and and uh antibacterial i mean the wine killed the viruses and and uh don't go out and get a bottle of wine for covid or nothing <laughs> we got better medicine than that now but here here's what i'm trying to get at talking about the, the example of a miracle meanwhile hezekiah said to isaiah what sign will the lord give to prove that he will heal me and that I will go to the temple of the Lord three days from now. So this is the gift of healing in operation because he didn't believe it. He wants proof. And then, uh, you know who our proof would be today? The spirit and the word. Amen. And so Isaiah replied, this is a sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward 10 degrees or backward 10 steps? And he said, the shadow always moves forward. In other words, that ain't no big deal to move it forward, Hezekiah replied. So that would be easy. But make it go 10 steps backwards instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move 10 steps backward on the sundial of Ahaz. Now, a sundial back then was a clock. It was positioned so the sun would shine on it. It had numbers on it, too. And whatever the shadow lined up with, that was the time of the day. As the sun moved, the dial, the, the dial didn't move, the shadow moved and advanced the time. But always advanced the time. That's why Hezekiah said that wouldn't be no big deal. He does that all the time. But this is by definition a miracle. It's without a doubt a divine intervention that alters normal circumstances. It was a supernatural power that intervened in the ordinary course of nature and definitely counteracted natural laws. That was the definition of a miracle I gave at the beginning. So the reason I'm so fascinated with this particular miracle is because 
on the surface, it seems simple. All God has to do is move this shadow. But it's more to it than that. In order to move that shadow, to stop that shadow and move it backwards even, 10 degrees or 10 steps, uh, the Lord had to bring the entire universe to a screeching halt and then make it run in reverse for 10 clicks or 10, I don't know if that's 10 minutes or whatever, but for 10 degrees, he had to run the universe in reverse and then stop it again and then run it back forward 20 degrees to bring it back up to the correct time. Amen. That's the miracle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to give you a mind picture, think of a giant freight train, a heavy loaded down freight train running along at 70 miles an hour. And the engineer gets a call uh, that tells him there's another train on your track coming in your direction. Stop your train and run it in reverse until we tell you otherwise. What does he have to do first? Bring that thing to a screeching halt. You've seen them in the movies. I mean, they, they lock that brake and the engine uh, begins to run it or the wheels stop and begin to run in reverse while the train is still going forward. That's a picture of what God did to the universe. He brings it to a screeching halt, and then the wheels are running in reverse until it stops, and then it runs back 10 degrees. And then God stops it. He speeds it up and runs it back 20 degrees to get back on the right time. Crazy, huh? Hallelujah. <laughs> now, that's impossible for us to even think about, but it's not hard for God to do that. And even if he brought it forward 10 degrees it'd still be a miracle because that means he wouldn't have had to stop the universe but he would have had to speed it up for 10 minutes and then slow it down for 10 degrees to get back on right time again now that was pretty cool but then i think about joshua when he was fighting and he said that he needed another 24 hours to defeat the enemy he says stop the sun and god you don't stop the sun. It's not moving. But what it, in reality, it was stop the universe. Make it stand still for 24 hours. And God did that and gave a Joshua that extra day. That's, they believe that's why we have a leap year. There's four quarters and then a leap year, four quarter years and a leap year to make up for that one day that, that Joshua had the Lord stop the sun or stop the universe for 24 hours. Is that crazy or what? Nobody fell off the earth. Because, you know, uh, that's what creates gravity is the earth moving. And if you stop the earth from moving, you're going to fall off the earth. There's no more gravity. Nobody fell off the earth. That's a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I got more notes than I got time. But let me see where I can wrap this up. But, you know, you might say, man, I'd like to see a miracle like that. And I can tell you right now, I believe with all my heart that before the Lord returns, you're going to see miracles like that. You might not see that miracle, but you're going to see uh, bona fide miracles that can't be doubted or questioned. You're going to see 
people with missing limbs grow a limb. You're going to see something that they can't explain away. Like, you know, well, the x-ray might have been blurry the first time we read it or whatever. They can't be explained away. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt it was an intervention of God. Amen? Maybe raising the dead. Whatever. You're going to see miracles of that magnitude. I really believe that with all my heart because that's what's going to stir up and create and keep this big revival going so God can get the precious fruit of the earth harvested in multitudes. And uh, so I, I, I know for a fact, I mentioned this the other day, that uh, we are experiencing miracles. We're just not noticing them. And uh, I, I can think back on miracles in my life that, uh, you know, it's that time you just stood there and say, how did that happen? I just don't get it, you know what I mean? Uh, and then just accept it and, and we blow it off you know uh, coincidence happenstance uh, luck all kinds of things we just explain it away but how about the morning that something told you take a different route to work for some reason and you did it the time you left for a destination five minutes earlier or five minutes later you don't know what happened or would have happened or could have happened but for all you know, that got you out of a fatal accident of some kind. Uh, how about that intersection? You could have got there just 30 seconds sooner, and you would have been in the accident that you just passed with a body laying on the side of the road with a sheet on it. It could have been you. I mean, uh, how about the time uh, you're driving down the road and then all of a sudden, I, I've done it all the time, just like that, you pass that accident, that terrible accident. And I always tell my wife and kids, don't look, because you see something that you won't get out of your head someday, you know. And because, uh, you know, people start rubbernecking. They want to see. They want to see. Well, how about this? Could have been you in that accident. But by the grace of God, miracle. How'd you get your job? How'd you get the house or the apartment that you're living in? Uh, how'd you get that promotion or raise? Right place, right time, right person. Who arranged all of that? God did. God is in the background orchestrating things. Moving, not you in position. You got to do that by faith, but he's moving people into position to create this miracle for you that you don't even recognize as a miracle. I got that job. I had a, a wonderful resume. I'm so skillful. No, God got you in the right place at the right time. It's a miracle. Amen. How about that time your child wanted to spend the night at a friend's house and something told you don't do it. And in spite of all their whining and crying and kicking, you stuck to your guns and didn't let them go. I don't know if something happened at that party or not, or that overnight sleepover or not, but it could have been a life-altering experience for your child. Something could have happened to your child that he would never get over and have to carry through life the rest of his life. Miracle. Mir it's a miracle that you listen to God, but it's a miracle nonetheless. Amen. Hallelujah. And then there were all those times, like I said, you just stood there shaking your head. 
I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. It just happened. I can't explain it. How about a miracle? Maybe not on the magnitude uh, that you expect it to be or want it to be, but start looking for the miracles that are happening in your life right now because they're happening. And when you start recognizing them and appreciating them, then maybe God will trust you with a bigger miracle. Maybe God will give you a bigger miracle. Just make sure you give him the glory for all the miracles. Amen? And here's the problem. We go through life looking for the spectacular, looking for the universe to stop and go in reverse. And in the process, we miss the supernatural. We miss the little things. Amen? It's all right to look for the spectacular, but don't miss the supernatural. Because the supernatural sometimes isn't that spectacular, but it's still a miracle. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I went a little bit over. That's all right. Uh, we come here once or twice a week. I don't think an hour training, an hour training for the kingdom of God or training for spiritual edification is too much. Amen? Amen. So I'm not going to apologize for it. But next week, we're going to start talking and learning about tongues, the gift of tongues. Not just the, we're going to talk about both of them, not just the tongues and interpretation for public ministry, but your personal prayer language, your personal prayer life, and the benefits of it. Like, it's a supernatural means of speaking to God. It's a supernatural way for you to pray the will of God for your life and anybody else's life. It's a uh, supernatural way for you to magnify God and worship God. There's all kinds of benefits to tongues, and we're going to learn them all. Amen? Because if you're not filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues, you are missing out. If not for any other reason. You know, this one uh, pastor, he was a Baptist, and they didn't believe in tongues or the gifts of the Spirit or anything, but somebody told a friend... One of the congregate, people in the congregation started going to the church says, our pastor prays in tongues. He won't, he won't pray out here. He won't say anything about him out here. He won't, say, won't teach about him or anything. But I know for a fact he prays in tongues. So this guy went up and asked him. He said, I heard you pray in tongues because he didn't believe in tongues. You know, he, he would have had a problem with that. And he says, uh, I sure do. He, he didn't back down, didn't shy away from it. And he says, uh, well, why do you pray in tongues? He said, because I read in the Bible that it builds me up. And he said, I need building up, don't you? And the guy just shook his head and walked away. Do you need building up? Amen. It will do it for you. Amen. Uh, I can tell a difference in not just my life. I can tell a difference in my preaching. I can tell a difference in my studying. Uh, even reading the word and having a better understanding if I pray in tongues before. It just makes a difference. It gives me more confidence. It builds me up. Uh, you know, the Bible says it edifies. That's what it means. It builds you up. It charges you up. And uh, you just have a different outlook on things when you're built up as opposed to being depressed. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.